Christmas. I hope that you are rested, energized, and ready to take on a new week. Welcome to Untapped Potential right here on TDN Radio. I am your host, Dr. Simone, and we want to welcome you to the program. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome to our mental break, our power-up session. This is the time of the week where we take a much-needed break from all the stress and the worries of the world and all the stress and the worries of our personal responsibilities, and we come together for a much-needed mental break. Uh, we set the stress and the worries to the side, and we simply enjoy some me time, some time to focus on our own personal goals and our own personal aspirations. So thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us today. I I always look forward to spending this time with you each and every week. So again, welcome to the program. This is Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. And you know, despite our limitations, I hope that you have plans for the upcoming holidays. As for me and my family, we're looking forward to a nice little mini vacation in Florida. You know, we live in Georgia, so Florida is only about a seven-hour drive from us. So we're looking forward to a nice socially distant uh, vacation with the family. Sophia loves the beach, so we're hoping to take her uh, to the beach in Florida as many times as possible while we are down here. So again, I hope that you have wonderful plans for the Christmas break coming up uh, next week and that you have some friends or some family that you will be enjoying the time with. So again, we are here and we have a wonderful program for you today. We have a very important and timely topic that we will be speaking on. And of course, you know that the vaccine for COVID-19 is now available. So of course we have lots of questions about the vaccine and so Dr. Augustine will be joining us today, Dr. Swinburne Augustine, who is a microbiologist and an immunologist. He is joining us today to advise us on the vaccine, among other topics, including his upbringing and, of course, his uh, his challenges and his successes along the way. So again, we are happy that you are here with us today, and we look forward to um, having you as part of the program. So we can go ahead and get started with Dr. Swinburne, but before we do, let's enjoy this brand new number from the Smith Brothers. Uh, they created, well, actually, actually it's Maxian. Smith, who created a nice little Christmas medley for us. So we thought we would go ahead and give you an, a listening of his new song. So again, we want to thank you for being here. And we also want to remember to thank our sponsor, Peregrine Care Management Company, and we are grateful for their support. So take a listen to Maxian Smith as we welcome Dr. Swinberg Augusta, Augustine to the 
that time on Christmas when you put that stuff on the wish list and you wish this and you wish that. We'll give love when we get it back. You got your Christmas gifts, yeah. I was on cookies on milk, yeah. Couple dimes in the pocket, yeah. That thing you always wanted, yeah. When you have your birthday, you'll be so happy to cut the cake. Nothing will be done with great. And I dream of playing with the snow one day. You want it, yeah. They got it, yeah. You love it, yeah. They bought it, yeah. Remember the grandma's sweater, fuck all weather. Well, they count it, huh? It's a time of dreams, they feel like being when they feel like me. When you look, you don't be feeling like she Like fame when they see gifts under the tree Hey, Santa's coming A gold thing to school I know, we always know As soon as you go That this time I'm putting a show We're ready to go and divide You know that you gotta give it a time Then we went back when From went back then Everyone make you feel alive I swear to God I stuff every rhymes Just had the songs that right in Christmas time But it's all like though Cause I like to We're making it feel so fine Here we are As you know and immunologist, Dr. Swinburne Augustine. Thank you for joining us today on Untapped Potential. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, yes, certainly. So you're from Dominica. And just tell us a little bit more about you. Uh, there's so much to say. There is um, so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm from this... Um, from Dalis in the east of the island. Um, I remember growing up, going to town, they say they used to call us Jaova. Jaova, okay. But you're behind God's back. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think, like, like, every village in dominica i think um we it took the whole village to raise us mm-hmm. i grew up with my grandparents um aaron and severine augustine but the whole my uncles aunts and the people in the village they're the ones who really looked out for us so mm-hmm. so what was uh, life growing what was life like growing up in the village man it, it I don't know how to put it, but I think at that time it was the best a kid could have growing up, you know? Mm. Um, we made our own toys. We really never thought of of, of um, wealth or re- being rich in, in material terms, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we were very creative, made our own toys. We ran around with our sex. We made our tops. We, you know, made our kites. We, some of them even tried making bicycles mm-hmm. um, with wooden wheels. But I mean, it's, it's, it's all part of that creativity that we got. And um, I think that has helped me a whole lot um, navigating through life and knowing that no matter what, kind of issues or problems that I can come up against I've already been prepared for it just by growing up in Davis or yeah, in Dominica. So, so you would say you guys were very industrious as an at an early age. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so did you guys um do any farming? Was your family a part of farming? Yes. Um we did a lot of farming as a matter of fact my grandparents had the only meal mm. a lot of the farin and toloma that people ate in dominica I didn't ate. know it came from <laughs> yeah it came from my grandparents meal mm. um my grandfather had that meal right behind our kitchen 
-hmm. So most of the villages around Delis, that's where they came to um, do process their firing and toloma. Mm -hmm. Now you said you grew oh. up with your grandparents. Can I ask why did did you not grow up with your parents? Ah, uh, well, my dad had gone moved to Toronto to study. Mm -hmm and stayed there my mom was in town working so um my grandparents after a lot you know they had a about 13 kids <laughs> after the kids grew up after their kids grew up and started to make their way through life um they took almost all of us grandkids mm -hmm. and and it may probably for good reason because they had a lot of land mm -hmm. so we had to help with um you know grazing cattle growing stuff and mm -hmm. carrying stuff and and you know that speaks so well for the concept of it takes a village because in the same way and i think we we found that more in the past in dominica because in the same way my parents only had two children but my mom raised seven children because like your parents you know, my aunts moved on to Guadeloupe and New York for greener pastures to help the family. And in the meantime, my mom stayed in Dominica to raise the children. So it, it just seemed natural at the time that that's the way things were done. Yes, mm -hmm. it was. And I, I'm, I'm just kind of amazed at how they did it. Yes, me too. You know, <laughs> because today I think, it should be so hard. Yeah, because I think to myself, kids. like up here, because I'm in um, Georgia, we have so much more resources. But I'm thinking to myself, would I really have taken on five of my sister's children in addition to my own child to raise? I don't know. They were just, it was a special time, I think. It was. I really think so. Yes, and they uh, did it with so it much less. They did it with so yes. much less. Yeah, but it, it certainly builds character. It does. Yes, yes. Uh, it so, makes you appreciate a lot. Yes, yes. And, and I see you've had several careers. You were a police officer, you were a reporter, you were a nurse. Now just tell us about that journey. Were those by, by, by choice or just circumstances? You needed a job and that's where you landed. No, uh, um, <laughs> each one was by choice. By choice. It, I was I was looking for this this um I had this set of 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 rules that I lived my life by five year plans mm -hmm. um when I graduated SMA the St Mary's Academy at sixteen my first job was at the Royal Bank mm -hmm. of Canada. I ain't working in foreign exchange. But after about a year of that, I thought, yeah, that could be a good career. You could make money, but it was boring as heck. I can I'm imagine. Like, no, this is too boring. This is too boring. Just, I like to be outside. I don't like to be cramped up in a room. Mm -hmm. And so I left that and joined the police force because it was more adventurous. And in the police force, we did a lot of great things. You know, we, we were involved in the regional security force that went to Grenada after Prime Minister Morris Bishop was executed. So we went with the U.S. Um, forces to liberate Grenada. Impressive. Mm -hmm. And we were in the SSU, the Special Service Unit in Dominica, people used to call it the drug squad, but it was much more than that. It was Dominica's security. We protected the prime minister. A lot of us worked right at her house, ate at her house mm -hmm. with Miss Charles when she was prime minister. And um, so we, 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 we kind of helped to save the country we know today as Dominica. And that's a story that I think needs to be told because there was so much turmoil and chaos in Dominica at that time. Mm -hmm. um, with the attempted coup and all those things that were going on in, in the island, you know, mm -hmm. it, it was a really tough time, but um, I can just imagine what would have happened if, if the um, police had gone along with the uh the 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 disbanded defense force who were trying to take over the island with the Ku Klux Klan and this nonsense mm 
But, you know, so got a lot of um, great things, I can say, done in the police force with, with, with the, the guys. I learned a lot from them. We had very good leaders. Um, <laughs> about five years in, <laughs> my five-year plan, I'm, I'm still a constable. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's, that, that's, not, that's not working now. I like it, but I do not want to retire as a senior constable. My thing is, um, I need to be up in those ranks, heading Absolutely. towards the mission of police. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. So I left that and went to DBS. Mm. Um, there met. So if you notice with each one of those, I'm going to show you the ladder that's building and what, what's happening at each point. But it just seems like they're, they're so separate, right? You would think you would have gone from like police officer to maybe law, but you that's went from police was, yeah. officer to broadcasting and then nursing. Yes. <laughs> yes, but you see, and that is where sometimes we don't understand fully what's happening, but you're building a toolkit. Mm -hmm. that you're going to need later um in the in in the police force law and order and discipline mm -hmm. at the radio station news reporting and announcing you have to be creative mm -hmm. you have to be able to communicate effectively not just communicate but communicate effectively and that what you put out to the public is factual it's fact-based, right. quite unlike a lot of the nonsense we hear today with lies yeah. from yep. politicians and others. Real journalists go after the truth. We, not, we, not, we don't care about party. We don't care about whatever. We just follow the truth. Mm -hmm. And um, in journalism, we learned that um, a story is like an onion. The more you peel, the more layers you uncover, and the more tears, anyway, sometimes with onion. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, the diligence. Um, so I enjoyed working at DBS with people like Steinberg Henry, Rudy Joseph, um, Felix Henderson, mm -hmm. um, Ted Daly, you know, all Shemaine Green. Those, those Johnson, John Rose, those came later, but we had such a team there, Tim Duran and the rest. I mean, it, it, was, it was an exciting time for me being around these people because I grew up listening to a lot of them on the radio. But their professionalism and people like Steinberg Henry, we would sit outside the radio station before newscast and he would um, talk he would just that that deep philosophy about stuff, right? And um, we would just enjoy that. So uh, after that, I emigrated to the United States to St. Thomas, Virgin Islands, to meet my family, and um, there worked on the radio again. And the person who was the news director at the radio station who hired me was none other but our Calypso. Or former Calypso King, King Shaky. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. That was my, yeah, that was my um, news director at Interesting. in St. Thomas. So we became friends. We had known each other, but we became friends then and um, did some, played music and stuff together. Mm -hmm. And then from there but you went into nursing? Then I, I wanted to go to music school. Mm -hmm. But then um, the school was taking too long to respond. So I, I joined the military. Mm -hmm. In the army, I joined as a combat medic, um, parachuter, a parachutist jumping out of planes. So I got to see a lot of things and we got to being assigned to Fort Bragg, which is home of the Airborne and home of the Special Forces, we were right away deployed to Panama mm -hmm. to get rid of um, arrest Manuel Noriega and um, liberate Panama in Operation Just Cause. Mm -hmm. um, 
sooner we we in just cause we were in the medical team so we set up the hospitals and set up the clinics and treated both panamanian and um american wounded troops um soon after we got back it wasn't it wasn't even six months we were back in iraq in saudi arabia to take care of saddam hussein out in the first gulf war now superstition took over right <laughs> after that after that i decided you know what all this airborne and high speed stuff um i need to slow i need to go to school because that was part of the reason i needed i need to focus back on what i got into the army for and what i got up here for to school so i um went to georgia military college and then I went to nursing school in the army. Well, I went to nursing school in the army first, then went to Georgia and went to Georgia Military College. And then um, it was in nursing school that I learned not only the compassion and everything else to do with nursing, the caring, but the science that I do today. Mm -hmm. That is where I got the inspiration for science mm -hmm. and i want to talk to you a little bit more about this but for anyone who's just joining us we're speaking to dr swinberg augustine he's out in ohio and he's an award-winning dominican who is a microbiologist and an immunologist so did you ultimately um know that you wanted to be a microbiologist immunologist or was it just the path just sort of led you in that particular direction um in nursing school the um this one instructor that we had and sometimes people teachers and people don't know what impact they're having on someone's lives when they do certain things or say certain things mm -hmm. and then sometimes maybe they do but the students don't get it so this one instructor every time we would um during our rotations in the hospital we would have several different patients but and each patient have different conditions and we would follow that patient all day either during our rotation and and go around shadow the the nurses the rns and other nurses who were taking care of that patient that day they would we would do most of the care under their guidance because we hadn't had our licenses yet we were still students this one instructor he told us um whenever we wrote our patient reports he would like us to write them describing the patient's condition and their treatment at the molecular level what <laughs> yes and um, we like, man, we in nursing school. We ain't trying to be doctors. What the hell is right? Trying to that's tell? what I was thinking too. You just need to diagnose the patients and keep it moving. <laughs> we 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 just need to treat them. Yes, treat we them. don't even diagnose. Yes, them yes treat them. them right. Treat yeah, them. The medical doctors, the physicians do that. Right. But so a lot of people were kind of upset. I mean, I mean, yeah, because we had never really heard that stuff, and this man is telling us to go inside of the cell at the dna rna level to describe what's going on so it was a real task but the only place we could get that information is not like today i could get it on my phone in my in the palm of my hands and google anything we had to go to the medical library at the hospital on fort bragg and there i started to see the patterns go inside the cell and see what's happening with diabetes what's happening with lupus what's happening with autoimmune diseases inside at the cellular level and i'm like man this this is amazing stuff just in one cell and it happens in other cells and you get conditions and i'm uh, it really um interested me so i went on to major in biology and chemistry and then this one i didn't know which direction to go after being a critical care nurse and emergency room nurse for 14 years i i didn't like it anymore 
He, I didn't like it because life had changed. I was on the fence when when medicine and healthcare was changing for not from non-profit to for-profit. We could see, as nurses, we could see the effect on us because the workload became more, patient care became less, and the the level of care we were giving to patients were just not adequate. We, we had too many patients. We were overwhelmed with the number of patients. It was more for profit. And that kind of um, didn't sit well with me because my whole nursing career, my motto was, I want to take care of every single patient the way I would take care of my grandmother who raised me. Absolutely. And if I cannot do that, then I don't need to be in that field. And that's why I left. And I didn't even want to be in medicine either. Mm -hmm. So I, I asked one of my um, professors, the chair of the um, biology and science department at Trevecca Nazarene University, Dr. Anne Fuquay. Nice lady, the late, she passed away, that's sad. She, she called herself my educational mother. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That lady taught me more than, and she was a white lady. Mm -hmm. And they are nice ones. Mm -hmm. Dr. Fuquay taught me, told me that I'm not a very good student for most teachers to, be eva to evaluate students because she said, no, students who get it and who get is they're not very um challenging for teachers she said they don't make good teachers she said a good teacher is the one who can take a complex thing a complex thought mm -hmm. or concept and break it down that the simplest person can understand right. and can take a failing student and turn them into an a student mm -hmm. all that to tell you that i was i was <laughs> not a challenge for her but the the message she sent Mm -hmm. was that if you can take a complex thought and, and break it down so that the, the, the simplest person can understand, the street level person, then that makes you a success. And I, those things started to build. And she's the one who guided me into the PhD program. Uh, I didn't even know about it before. I thought you needed masters to get to PhD. She said, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I got into Mihari Medical College. And there, at each point again, you're learning something new. So military discipline, military patriotism, military, you know, um, teamwork, because people die nursing teamwork, people die if you don't do, if your team doesn't work well. And so the seriousness of teamwork, many people apply for jobs and they talk about, yeah, I'm great at teamwork, but what does that mean? Mm -hmm. That means if, if the person next to you don't do what they're supposed to do, either you or they die. Is that serious or your patients die? So a lot of, um, it's a confluence of, of influences from each one of those jobs. Mm -hmm. that led me to here. Yeah, so I think it's, it's been a fascinating journey for you because you've somehow taken all this uh, variety of um, different careers and you seamlessly integrated it into what you're doing right now. So can you tell us a little bit about your research interests at this point and some of your successes? Um, yes. So... In graduate school, one of the things that that I've I, I've learned about me is that I can be very independent. Um, I'm a very good follower, but I don't like to follow. <laughs> I, I I I will explain that. You know, in graduate school, you, 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 you have a doctorate, so you know when you write, when you're doing your thesis work, you, there's a choice of subjects and, and areas you can choose to do your dissertation on. Yes. 
most of the students that I was with, especially those in the lab that I chose my mentor from, um, most of them follow work that has been done before. So they just add to it. You know, they add, they've been studying this one. And in our thesis work, we were actually studying something called Chagas disease. It's in South, South America and it is now coming global. Chagas disease is caused by a little bug called the kissing bug from all the way down South America. And it, there's no cure for it. As a matter of fact, it's called Chagas disease because the guy who found it, the scientist, he actually infected himself and died of it. Oh my. So he could, un, he could because of things like the Institutional Review Board and, and um, what had happened with the Nazis with studying humans and doing all kind of unethical things. So he just infected himself. So he could study the symptoms and everything else, but that thing was is really bad. So Chagas, that's how they named the disease after him. So all these other, they had all these clones and all these DNA libraries and RNA libraries in the lab. And I, I screened about 50 of them. 50 of them look like all those things they've been published. 49 of them look like all these different things, but there was one, one clone that's totally different from the rest. And it was interesting to me because it didn't look like anything anybody had published before. Mm. As a matter of fact, it was never published until I did. Mm. It was a protein on the surface of Trypanosoma cruzi. That's the bug. On the surface of the Trypanosoma cruzi that helps it to signal it to bind just like the SARS-CoV virus um, the spike proteins will bind to our receptors to get it to go into the cells because they have to get into the cells for them to do their damage. Most of those intracellular, obligate intracellular parasites. So I found a protein that is now being, um, I call it TC1, T Cruzy1. I was going to put it, give it my name, but my mentor said, no, nah, man, you don't know. Anyways, but, um, that protein is, I made an antibody against it. And when we block, when we um, expose it to that um, antibody, it blocks it from entering our cells and the immune system will destroy it. Wow. So that, um, and even if you are already infected, although they are infected inside of your cells, some of your cells, they must get out. They have to burst out to get into the bloodstream and then infect other cells. Well, when they get out of the, into the bloodstream, then the antibodies capture them and the immune system destroys them again. So it can work either as a vaccine or as a therapeutic. And that is what we're looking for. Exactly those two things we're looking for with COVID-19. So I was able to do that, and it is now they, um, that that TC1 can be con it is being looked at as a potential vaccine candidate for Trypanosoma cruzi and Chagas disease. Wow! So you actually um, that actually led to the will potentially lead to the vaccine. Yes. Right. So that's yeah. impressive. That you must be is. very proud of that. Well, yes, that is. Um, we just do those work. We don't even. We don't even worry about um, the effects of it. We hope that at some point, let's say if the world were um, concentrated on, on Chagas disease, like they do COVID, COVID um, Chagas disease would have been cured already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I say that, so when we come to co talk about COVID, that's going to be important. Yes, yes. Well, let's, let's talk about COVID because, you know, I think we have a basic understanding of what um, COVID is, but can you give us uh, uh, your perspective on what exactly is COVID disease? And then we can probably talk about the vaccine. COVID is a, it's, COVID is a disaster. It is. It's a disaster in many ways. 
and not 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 just about the the way we are handling it now it is a disaster in that policymakers are sometimes too short-sighted because something doesn't affect the big developing countries mm -hmm. less funds are put into things that like i just mentioned shagas disease in south america there are people working on it in brazil the universities down there they focused on shagas because that's their local area right so mm -hmm when the international community don't put enough effort into solving one thing, then it takes a long time for, for, for them to get, for the community to get into TC1 and say, okay, we can use that as a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Let's try it and let's do a concentrated effort. Also, it's a disaster in that in all research planning, we are always aware, both at the EPN and other agencies and, and, and universities, research institutions, whenever they're doing the research planning, the future research planning, we are always looking at emerging pathogens. Right. Things in other places that are not here yet, and we want to study them to get to know in case something happens, right? When they stop the funding for those things, then when they do become epidemics and pandemics, by that time it's too late. Then we are, we are behind the curveball and that's when we have to try to do like scramble like we're doing with COVID now to find a vaccine or a cure. So we need to be more cognizant that the few dollars we spend on trying to understand and prepare for those emerging pathogens will be nothing compared to the trillions of dollars we are spending today. And we see it right now in the U.S. with over 200,000 people infected. We're seeing what you're speaking about right now. Yes. I mean so much pain and so much suffering you know to each of those 270,000 people who have lost their lives and the cdc is projecting another 250,000 more by february that we are talking about half more than half a million Americans alone. But, but, but Dr. Augustine, let me ask you this though. How much of this is individual responsibility? Because when you hear the, the, how, how um, prolific this virus is, yet, you know, I call them selfish people, are still willing to travel, potentially exposing their elderly relatives to all of this. So how much of that number is actually personal responsibility because people simply of COVID fatigue, fatigue and they want to just live their lives and take the chances. There is a certain level of irresponsibility. Um, whether it's for political or religious reasons. Mm -hmm. What are just plain ignorance or distrust. I think each of us have a responsibility to care for each other mm -hmm. uh, again growing up in a village where i said everybody looked out for the kids and looked out for each other if i wear a mask it's not making me less handsome more handsome more ignorant more stupid i am just wearing that mask so that if I am exposed, when I cough into the mask, then most of the particles will stay in there. The other person, same way. And so less. The, the severity of COVID-19 is based, and studies are showing that, is based on the number of viral particles that you 
you take in, you're exposed to, and the contact time. That's why they say stay six feet apart, wear a mask, and try to not be, especially in indoor locations, um, for more than 15 minutes around somebody who's exposed. So um, that's, it's just plain irresponsible. It's irresponsible for political leaders. It is irresponsible for anyone to think that it's okay to not wear a mask and not social distance. I, I, I don't see the fascination. Is, is a football game worth your life or my life? It, it's, it's not. It's and not, I think, uh, and I think, and I think, one of the reasons we're seeing those numbers, where we could potentially have another two hundred and fifty thousand people um, infected with this, is also because um, you know we hear stories of people being on their dying beds and still thinking this is a hoax. Yes. So how do you yes. how do you reverse that mentality? I mean, the, to in my mind, as somebody for a background in psychology. I'm at a loss of words in terms of how do you convince people that this is not a hoax? Well, if, if leadership is influence, right? The leadership, the definition of leadership is the ability to influence people to do things mm -hmm. that you know needs to be done, even if they don't know it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. What happens when that leadership is contrary to public health. You have a disaster. Okay. And that's what we have. And that's, mm -hmm. that's as far as I can go with this. But yes. all I know is that COVID-19 is not concerned about politics. It, is not, it doesn't care about how much money you have. It doesn't care about whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't care whether you're black or white or green or yellow. If you're infected, you have a 50-50 chance that you're going to die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know who wants to take that chance with their life. And it is, it is a shame that, I can, that we can tell political parties now based on people who wear masks and not certainly unfortunate. And, and I want to also speak with you about the vaccine, but for anyone who's just joining us, we're speaking to a biomedical researcher, Dr. Swinberg Augustine, and he's telling us all about the importance of taking the COVID-19 virus seriously and to follow the protocols so we can eventually eliminate this disease from our society. So let's speak a little bit about the vaccine, um, Dr. Augustine. Um, what are your thoughts about it? Because I think for most people, what they're concerned about is how quickly the vaccine was created and if it is in fact uh, a healthy thing to, to you know, submit yourself to at this point. So, you know, <laughs> I've, I have fielded that same exact question personally on the phone with a bunch of family members and friends yes. a bunch of times this week alone. Yes. What people don't understand is this. First of all, let, let, let me explain what a vaccine is and how it works. Please do. And then we can talk about it. Please do. So, and how it's created. So a vaccine is just either, uh, before they would take a virus like the flu and heat kill it, or we call it attenuate it, or in some chemically treat it, but we need the proteins on that virus to remain or that bacterium whatever it is to remain in its in its normal form right its physiological form so that in you know because proteins fold when they but so the antibodies recognize those folds it recognizes them in a certain orientation if you if you destroy that orientation the antibodies cannot bind Mm -hmm. or they'll bind weekly and then it won't be effective. So we take, now we take um, pieces of the protein and if you look at the SARS virus, you see those spikes all on top, all on top of the surface. Mm -hmm. 
Well, those spike, those are spike proteins. They're literally called spike proteins, the S proteins. And those are very immunogenic to the body, right? The, the immune system recognizes it and will um, make antibodies against it. Also, there is another protein called the receptor binding domain. That's an area of the virus that binds to our receptors. When they bind to the receptors on our cells, the ACE2 angiotensin converting enzyme two receptors on our cells, when they bind to that, they signal the cell and the cell like opens the door, you know, and then lets them in. So now the virus, the enemy done went into our cells, releases it, mRNA, it's RNA because it's an RNA virus, a single strand of RNA with all the instructions on that single strand to make everything that the virus needs to package itself and to propagate itself and burst out and go back and do the same thing over and over again. You see, every time they do that, they're destroying our cells, but they're bursting out and using our cells machinery. So now we would take those proteins that we know that are immunogenic, and find a vehicle to help us inject it into humans. Not the whole virus, just the pieces of protein that uh, immunogenic that the body uh, make antibodies strongly against. Mm -hmm. um, usually, the whole process to get that, we try it in animals first to see if we get the immune response and measure the antibodies and then infect them and see if they fight off that infection. Then we go to a phase one, they apply to the FDA for, they wanna do clinical trials. They start their um, clinical trials with about a hundred people. Some get the vaccine, others don't. And they look, but they monitor them closely and they look for the effect. If that effect, if 98% of the people who got, or whatever number they determine is okay, but I'm just saying, if 98% of the people, of the 198 of them, they got the vaccine, then they infected them and they're okay, then, okay, we move to phase two, then we try it on um, about a thousand people. And then you go on to 30,000, 100,000. You know, the, that's the phase three clinical trials. And at every stage, the scientists and the clinicians are looking at the data and determining um, side effects and all those things. So people are saying that it is, it's taking, it's too short a time. Yeah, it's too quick. <laughs> Imagine... And my answer to this is this, is that, simple. Imagine all of the builders, the world's expert builders and architects and financiers and carpenters and masons and that whole building, that whole industry is focused only on your building your house. How long do you think it would take them? Uh, two days. Okay. And this is, and it is for real. If, if you had all these builders and all these experts in-house building with all the materials they need, I guarantee you, you will get it in a short period of time. The same way when COVID shut down the entire world, um you had and that I, I like to say that because i need people to understand where their values are and what it is they worship or they spend time with i know entertainment is great people i love my cricket and i love you know um sports and music 
but all these music stars and all these sports stars and all this rest, they're still sitting at home or having problems playing in empty fields because people still want the entertainment. But there's another group of people, though, from the beginning of COVID have been focused like lasers on just solving that problem because we want to go back to normal. And these scientists and public health folks and the frontline med, um, physicians and nurses, we are focused on trying to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. We've so much information has been um, gathered over those past few months about air or, or every part of the cell, every part of the body that, that COVID-19 is affecting and how one, there's still some things that there are lots of questions that need to be answered. And one of them is very pressing, especially for me, it's the asymptomatic people, mm -hmm. the people who don't have symptoms. Mm -hmm what kind of damage did it do inside of you that you're not seeing the effects yet right but you will at a later time right the u.s military thought about that and at one point and i'm talking about all the u.s military they did not want to take covid infected people because they don't want to be left standing holding the bag when these kids show up later on after a few years in military service with something they didn't have mm -hmm. and then the military had to pay the disability when those things start showing up mm -hmm. a lot of people don't don't realize that but there's a lot of damage that those those um even if you don't see the symptoms now mm -hmm. we don't know what kind of damage it's doing and that's very concerning and you'll yes. hear scientists say that yeah so i think what you're saying to us is we have to be uh we have to take precaution because you may be asymptomatic have the disease and then it may create other problems for you down the road that you had not anticipated because you never had the symptoms of covid19 right right Right. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. And especially thank you for that example, um, Dr. Augustine. That was such a powerful example of all the builders of the world and all the architects of the world coming together to create your own house. Because I think it kind of solidifies for us what the effort was put into the vaccines to get it ready for us in a more timely manner than a typical um, vaccine. So as we get ready to wind up, unfortunately, we only have an hour for the program, but I think there's so much more we could talk about. And I hope that you will join us again, sure. either to talk about COVID or, or some other um, health concern. I wanted to congratulate you on your award, um, the Caribbean American Heritage Award that you received. So I wanted to congratulate, congratulate you on being a recipient of that award and just tell us were you nominated how did that process um occur thank you um it it, it was it was really a weird way i i don't i didn't know about it i didn't even know about the institute i didn't know about that award i didn't know anything about it and um one saturday night i'm running i'm coming back from running and sweaty and um <laughs> the phone my phone my cell phone rings and i answer it and it's like hi i'm dr claire nelson and um with ics i'm like okay and i generally don't answer calls that i don't recognize um because there's so many scams going on you know so i just um answered and she said yeah we've been researching you we've been um and we were looking we were we're the Institute of Caribbean Studies and we do the Caribbean American Heritage Awards every year. And these are the kind of people that we have been giving these awards to, like when she said Rita Marley and Cicely wow, Tyson and wow. Jimmy Cliff and people that I knew. I'm, look, I'm like, wow, okay. Wow. Yeah, so I said, okay, yes. And she said, yeah, we were looking for a Caribbean American scientist 
who was working at a very high level and making a global impact on COVID. And you, we came across you and Googled you and um, blah, blah, blah. Wow. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. Was, well, yeah. well, well, congratulations and, and continued success with the work that you do. And do you have any final thoughts first as we get ready to um, sign off? Yes. Um, I would like to wish everybody a safe and happy holidays. I know the holiday season is coming. Um, but it's here, not coming. It is really here. We're in December. And so Thanksgiving was a bit of a drag because um, people can't be with their families. The CDC and other health organizations are, are begging people to please try to be, try to limit your travel and try to be with the people in your immediate household um, to try to limit the spread because after Thanksgiving, I think in the next week or so, we will start to see the, 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 the effects of those people who traveled for Thanksgiving. A lot of people, I don't know if it's worth our lives for a Christmas party mm-hmm. or for a New Year's party. Mm-hmm. There will be other Christmases and there will be other New Year's if we protect ourselves and protect each other. So I would just say wear your masks, social distance and the mask. I, I want to give another analogy about the mask before we go. Yes, please. Because I saw that and it made so much sense. If two men are standing and both of them, one is not wearing pants and the other one is wearing pants. If the one without the pants pees, he'll pee on the pants, the other person's pants. Mm-hmm. If none of you have pants, then he's peeing on your leg. If both of you have pants on and that man pees, he's peeing inside his pants. Yep. He will never touch you. Yep. That is why we wear the masks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is exactly the same thing. If both of us are wearing the mask, the, the, the percentage... Uh, of the, the 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 risk of you getting infected is very low, mm-hmm. very very low, versus one person it's lower. It's it's you know it's it's low but not as low if both have it. If none of you have it, the chances are very high that you will get infected. Mm-hmm. So that is all. Thus, the mask is to and and by wearing the mask and social distancing, we are giving those poor healthcare people, the physicians and the nurses and the technicians in the hospitals, a breather. Mm-hmm. We're not overwhelming the hospitals with all of us getting sick at the same time. We're, making, we're giving them a, a, a bad way to go mm-hmm. because my daughter, my eldest daughter is an e- emergency room physician. Mm-hmm. I know they don't want to have to make that choice of life and death and who to treat and who deserves care and not. And the only way they can do that is by us helping them out by using all masks and social distancing. That's, that's about the way we can help until a vaccine and a cure comes. That's the way we sh- that's what we should do to, to protect ourselves, our families, or, or, or villages or countries mm-hmm. or communities. Well, certainly. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Augustine, for being with us, for educating us, for reassuring us about the vaccine. And if I might add, your um, education mother, like you call her, would be so proud of the way you were able to break down the information to the man on the street. Um, I certainly have no, no experience in medicine, but I understood what you were saying. And thank you. Thank you for being with us here on Untapped Potential. And we look forward to staying connected with you and to having you share some more with us. Anytime. All right. Take care. My you pleasure. Enjoy thank the rest you. of your day.
You too. Thank you. You are listening to Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. So let us give a very special thank you to Dr. Augustine for sharing with us and for helping us with this very important decision. And you know, as I'm thinking about it, we have so many questions about the vaccine that I am thinking that we should probably host a forum, maybe via Facebook Live early next year, and just kind of bring our medical minds together so that we are able able to ask some questions and get some clarifications on the vaccine. So just a thought, uh, maybe we can put something together early 2021 so we can have all of your questions addressed as we look forward to potentially getting the vaccine and finally getting rid of COVID-19 once and for all. So speaking of Facebook Live, uh, you know, we are so honored to be able to promote the skills and the talents of our people, and it has certainly taken off. So I want to thank you for your support of the Facebook Live programs that we have been offering. As a matter of fact, we have a program last evening where we featured a young chef out of Dominica. His name is Mr. Devon Miles, and he is only 12 years old. He was born in Dominica, but he now lives in Lithonia, Georgia, and he is actually a guest. Uh, he is actually a competitor, excuse me, he's a competitor on the Food Network's Kids Baking Championship. So what an incredible achievement for this young man. So again, he's only 12 years old and he is a competitor on the Food Network's Kids Baking Championship, which will air on December 28th at 9 p.m. on the Food Network. So we did a very special feature with him last evening where he actually decorated a cake for us and he presented some of his work. And we were so thankful. So many people logged on to wish him well, to congratulate him. And the last time I checked, which was earlier today, we had almost 7,000 views from that program last evening. So we just want to say thank you for your support. Thank you for helping us to promote and uplift the talent that comes from Dominica, the Caribbean, and all over the world. And we will continue promoting our talent. And as a matter of fact, this Friday, mark your calendar, set your reminder, uh, this Friday, Gordon Henderson from the Exile One Band, you know, he's the originator of the Kadas Lipso genre of music that we now enjoy. So he has offered to join us on Friday, the 18th, which is this Friday at 6 p.m. as he will just spend some time with us, just talk about his music, talk about the lyrics, talk about the translation from Creole to English. So it is going to be a wonderful session to just relax and listen to Gordon and watch him on Facebook Live as he interacts with us. So we will continue to do this very important work of promoting our people and promoting our culture and And again, we do thank you for being a part of this uh, program. So, of course, don't forget that our support continues when we log off from Push Past 10, when we log off from Untapped Potential, I should say. You can tell my brain is already on vacation, right? (laughs) So, when we log off from Untapped Potential, remember to join us on Facebook at Push Past 10, P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T, the number 10, to continue our support and continue uh, motivating each other as we continue through this week. So again, I want to thank you for being here. Don't forget you have homework to do. We will not be here for the next two weeks, but you do have homework to do. Remember, we talked about the Vision 2021 program where you will select a particular goal that you would like to accomplish during 2021. And we are going to keep each other accountable during 2021. So remember to do your homework. Remember to figure out 
out exactly what that goal is and also the resources you will need to be able to accomplish this goal. So I want to thank you for spending this time with me today. It has been a pleasure um, having you on board. A special thank you to our regular listeners who are here with us each and every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. on TDN Radio. And we want to say a very special Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone in Radio Land. Uh, we wish you a safe and healthy Christmas 2020. And we look forward to being with you next year, God willing. So again, as we say at the end of the program, remember your life story is your strength. Remember to tap into your potential each and every day. Remember to stay positive, stay strong, stay active, and stay engaged until we meet again in 2021. So again, if you need any additional information, you can check us out at pushpast10.com, P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T, the number 10.com for more information. And once again, we would like to thank our sponsor, Peregrine Care Management, for their support of this program. So thank you for being with me during 2020. And I look forward to seeing you on Facebook Lives, as well as being here with you on Untapped Potential on TDN Radio in 2021. So you have yourself an enjoyable holiday season, and I will see you in 2021. Take care.